I myself, the producer of this podcast, is not eligible to diagnose anyone with a mental health disorder. This podcast is purely for artists discussing the mental health hurdles they struggle with on a daily basis. Enjoy. All right, guys, welcome to um, another episode of Where's My Mind, a podcast about mental health and the arts. I have writer, one-time stand-up comedian. <laughs> two. <laughs> two-time, two-time stand-up comedian. <laughs> Hopefully more, but mainly you are, um, yeah, you're a writer. I think that would be your first and foremost, like what your what your calling card is, because you've written a few screen, you've written a handful of screenplays that have gotten into festivals that have won awards. You know, you're working on a project we, we don't have to talk about. It. It's a big project where you're, it's probably the, what, the most, would you say it's the most intense writing project you've had to ende- endure so far? Yeah, absolutely. I've done, you you do pre-production when you do writing projects, but I've never had to read, you know, like eight books on a yeah. subject and yeah. do all kinds of other sifting through notes and emails. and That's nuts. It's a lot. All the rec- all Hopefully the research by the time this episode drops. Yeah, well, so we will talk book. about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, we have Steve Hanish on. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How are you, Chris? I'm doing good. This is a little weird. This is weird <laughs> for me right now. Different. We knew each other in high school. Yeah. But we weren't really fr- like I, it was it's weird how high school is where it's like you. For me, anyway, I had so many different groups of friends. Where yeah, a lot of clicks. I yeah. think I was a middle person. Like I had some cooler friends, some not cooler friends. I was exactly like, I was, like that. You know, I had friends who were on the basketball team. I had friends who. The drugs in the woods. I had friends who were afraid of the word weed. Um, <laughs> That's a great part about high school is you can you, you kind of learn who you are, right? Yeah, you, you're yeah. into a little bit of everything. And little, yeah, and then you kind of whatever personality. I like little just... struggles. I like alcohol, but I also like sports. I like being <laughs> active. You know, I like I the like being thing, healthy, and then I also like destroying myself. The only thing I wish I did in high school was actually theater. Our, our friend that we've yeah. met through Charlie yeah. Cathcart, he. He actually asked, he like pushed me to like, you should really audition and try out. And I just didn't have the confidence because I was like, because mm-hmm. at then I thought I was an athlete, but I was like basketball players, you know, then I'm not going to do that. And then right. I went to one of his plays and he completely crushed it. He yeah. was great. Adam Rosowski, Keith McDonald. I remember them mm-hmm. just all three of them like specifically just crushing. Yeah. It. I remember the improv stuff. Yes. Too. It was yeah. Really amazing. And I was like, man, like that's a, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, and I really didn't tap into my artistic personality or or in the arts until i was about like 23 mm-hmm. what about you when did you like like when you were in high school did you always know you wanted to go like to school for writing and acting or no when i was younger i would just write like stories because i enjoyed creating story i enjoyed creating worlds and just writing but uh i didn't really actively pursue that until i was almost done with my psychology degree and then i in changed college? course yeah yeah I changed course. Um, How was that? Mike what did and your I, parents Mike Crow and I actually were like, wanted to do something creative. Um, so we wrote a screenplay that was Mike Kroll. terrible. Mike Kroll writes? Yeah. Well, or he, wanted to? he helped me write that one. Nice. Um, but and it was not any good. But after that, it was kind of like he moved on to other things. Um, and I was kind of starstruck. I was like, I really, really like this. So I kept on doing that and then explored everything a lot of people i know in the film world in jersey anyway went to ramapo yeah a lot of people went to ramapo and i didn't and so and it's everyone who's gone to ramapo are like 
like Jess Vasquez, you, Jess Arena, like y'all are like some of the best artists I've ever worked with. Thank you. So I think Ramapo. And yes, agreed. I don't. I think Ramapo doesn't get enough credit for I guess whatever they're producing up there because that like you guys are really like everyone who's come from there. I've been thoroughly impressed. Yeah, with, I'm sure you know? every college has those few great professors yeah. and departments, but Ramapo for sure had a couple that were really, um, really great and really influ- influential. You said uh, you had a mentor. Neil Scott yep. was one. He was really amazing and. Uh, I consider him my mentor, Tobin Addington. He's a great screenwriter in his own right. Um, that's what he does for a living now. He was able to have enough work to do that. He moved back to Montana where he's from. He does that. He kind of goes to LA awesome. when he needs to, does whatever. Wow. Um, but he was extremely helpful and yeah. influential in, in my writing. Um, I had never, because you can never, you know, I, you know me, I like to make people laugh. Like I'm introverted, but at a party or something, I like to make people laugh because that's like kind of. Are you an introvert though? Like, do you I definitely you... am. There's like, actually the what, last though? time when we were uh, hanging out for Jess's um, 30th birthday celebration, your dad at one point towards the end of the night was, I was quiet all of a sudden. He's like, you're quiet. What's going on? I was just like, no, I'm an introvert and I'm done with you people. Like my energy spent. But uh, for so doing that, I've... so I would always try to make people laugh in class or whatever, like especially with screenwriting, because that was so easy. You'd write whatever you wanted to on the page, and then you'd pick roles, and you'd have people read it, and it was incredible. I love that experience. But he was Tobin was the first person who was like, "Yeah, this is funny, but like, what are you trying to say?" Yeah, and I was like, "I I never thought of it like that. I just want to make people laugh." He's like, "It's great," but it. But joke doesn't really to... matter if the story doesn't mean there's anything. nothing behind it yeah, yeah exactly so that was kind of really eye-opening for me so started crafting what would become Vietcom, run through the jungle now that's where that started because i just wanted to write a parody movie and he's like great but even parody movies say something yeah so that was kind of like okay so when you start editing it's like you got to cut jokes because story's more important yeah no that's actually a pretty good that's really good advice because i don't and it hurts because you got it some does. funny jokes, yeah. but it's like... But if they don't make sense... like It's that, like Anchorman 2. Like, funny movie, but it's a collection of skits. Yeah. Like, it doesn't actually hold up as a movie. Like, yeah, there's no narrative, you know? Yeah, no, that that actually... So you said compare certain, that to the first one. First Anchorman, amazing. Second yeah. one's just a bunch of funny scenes. It's it's not a coherent and, movie. But yeah, no, there's situations where... You, you know, you watch it, it's funny, and then you go back and you find out maybe that, like, um, maybe that, uh, you know, that was a real life thing, and you're like, holy shit, I guess, I guess it's more, it being more real life. It's going to turn into the Tobin Addington plug fest, but he, he also, like, he dislikes Christopher Nolan as a filmmaker, and I remember that was, because especially was when what? you're like, in college and you're that? creative, oh, uh. 2008? When I graduated in 2013, because I spent extra time in college. So oh, I started late. Yeah, I yeah. spent you know, I started four years in a psychology degree that only turned into a minor, and yeah. then I transitioned. I started, no, tra- hey, dude, I started college when I was 22. I was but, uh, really late. So yeah, I never. So re- especially you know, like going through the creative schooling like that. Like, there's certain movies that's kind of like really popular love, and it's maybe the first time you saw that style. So like memento is one of those movies and then at the time christopher nolan had already had a bunch of big movies come out that were his inception he had started the dark knight stuff like all that um so it was like blasphemous to hate christopher nolan and he's like well no it's like 
here and here's why. Here's and why. he would explain his arguments. And it's kind of like, that's really brilliant. Like, I didn't know you were allowed to disagree with anything of a certain creative nature. Because even in college, in a creative field, there's certain cliques just yeah. like anywhere else. And there's certain people that you don't get along with. And there's certain things they like that you go like, yeah, but like everybody loves those things. And you'd be like, no, it's okay to yeah, it's, not love what everyone yeah, else loves. I think there's a difference between being a hipster and not liking stuff. And then being like just not being a fan of it, and we jokingly go through all this all the time. Like you, your wife, and my wife are always on my ass about not watching or liking Game of Thrones. It's just because yeah. the first time, first few times I've watched it, it was probably the setting I was watching it in, but it just didn't like grab me, right? Um, Which makes me so mad because you're now on the right side of history about hating <laughs> what Game of Thrones <laughs> turned into. <laughs> Which um, pisses me off. I like, just has no like desire. Well, I don't think it has any desire, but like I'm like we should try like these shows like Barry, Breaking Bad, and I just see the blank expression on her face, and I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm gonna go at these alone again. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, like you and I, like you walked in today, and you're like, I need you to explain to me why you liked the Batman. So there's always gonna be that yeah. like, like. I'm I'm not going to be like, well, Steve, you're wrong for not liking it. Like, you make every valid point as to why you like or don't like something mm -hmm. to the point where I wouldn't say you persuade my mind. Like, you just make it very clear and you bring up things that I guess I wasn't thinking about. So mm -hmm. I can totally understand. Like, you're like, I, I compare it to like, when someone says they don't like my project, tell me why. Or mm -hmm. like, you, you didn't find my project that entertaining or yeah. the script entertaining. Tell me why. Don't just say you don't like it for not liking it. I think it. Like, that's a big thing. I think it only maybe exists in a creative field where constructive criticism is a really big part of your introduction to working on film, screenplays, yeah. all this kind of stuff. Because even in the first classes, like Film 101, you're working on stuff and you have to show it to everybody. And then everybody has, has to, to say, say a good and a bad thing or like explain your yeah. position about yeah. it. So it's a very vulnerable place you're in very quickly. And you're just learning to do this shit like yeah. i looked at some of my like stuff i filmed like f my first year doing film stuff and it's horrendous like i understand the ideas behind it but it was not but good was not and then good. you got to show that to everybody yeah. and you got to be vulnerable and you got to be receptive to what people are saying and then you take that you internalize it and you can either use it or don't use it and you can figure out how to craft something i don't think that really exists in other fields like everything else seems like there's a pretty cut and dry way of approaching the biz the business mm -hmm. or psychology for example like there's everybody has their own individual case but there's certain ways to handle it and there's certain ways to not doing something creative is like it's a it's like watching tv today it's a problem because there are so many options yeah there's no right avenue to go down yeah it's so that's there's I think not that a, was lot a big of, part of especially comedy yeah and there's forget not, it that's so objective yeah and that there's no subjective there's no um what the fuck was it yeah I, I mean like what am i trying to say there's this thing like trying to word it correctly to make it sound good um you know as artists like there's no there is a playbook quote unquote but there really isn't and i've used this example all the time i think the 180 rule is is filming wise you know if you don't know what it is it means the mm -hmm. camera has to be on the same side of the character talking there's it's more in depth than that but essentially that's what it is i think the 180 rule is kind of bullshit because i see all my filmmakers i love break it constantly mm -hmm. Um, and it's not even like, and I always go back to the the uh, car chase scene in the Dark Knight and, right. uh, in the bridge. Yeah, how many like, just the different like Nolan cutting from like a noisy ass like like 
exterior shot of the two cars to inside the car where it's quiet to the like he was cutting and the sound designing it made you feel chaotic because that's what it was yeah so why why can i watch that say like that's beautiful and then i have to go back and i fail a project because i broke the 180 rule right you know um i think art is yes you have to teach art you know in school or you don't have to you can teach art in school and like you can teach it the way you might think it is like your teacher your 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 mentor but i don't want someone to say you have to film it the 180 rule when i see like nolan and scorsese yeah. break it i don't um, and like i don't necessarily the- mind being taught that way because what's behind it is there has to be a reason for it to be broken and if you just have a bunch of college kids going like rules don't matter i'm gonna make what i want to make then you're just gonna have this but I feel like art's confusing that way collection yeah. of I feel like kids art- trying to run before they can walk true true but i feel like there's no rules with art like there really isn't there's know? not, but there's, you know, it's like anything else. Like you got to build a foundation there's, of learning. Yeah. Like here's why, the, here's why the 180 degree rule exists. It's because when you're watching something and you flip that around, there's an inherent sense of confusion within the scene and you're going to confuse your audience. Yeah. So it exists. So audiences can subconsciously remain intact in, in, and in, yeah. have their suspension of disbelief remain intact yeah that's why it's there so if you're going to break that for a chaotic chase scene or anything go ahead or, yeah. but here's why it's or supposed to be in place you know it's kind of like Anderson learning movie. rules no yeah definitely here's where, why multiplication yeah. exists here's why division is the way it is exactly. like it's yeah, the it's, same it's a basic concept. rule but like it's, once you understand the meat of it why it. it's there yeah and then you can go ahead and break it, but you got to know why it's exactly. in the first place. Exactly. If you're trying to fuck your audience over, like at least know what rules you're breaking. I, like I keep saying in these episodes, I know I'm breaking the fourth wall here, but um, I send these episodes, you know, out to people who want to be on the podcast and they choose what they'd like to discuss. And the first episode where I would like to talk about is the effects of a nine to five job or a job in general. It doesn't have to be nine to five, you know, if you work bartending retail whatever the fuck um and but it's from the mind of an artist and how artists working nine to five how tough or easy it can be um but first i'd like to ask you if um i've asked everyone this about therapy if, if they've gone to therapy or are they currently in therapy or their thoughts on therapy um would you like to speak on that or uh yeah yes yes and yes okay i've <laughs> been to therapy previously i am currently in therapy now and i believe everyone should be in therapy it's uh in my opinion it's just like going to the dentist every six months like there's certain things you should be doing to take care of your body right Mm -hmm. not that i adhere to all of those things as i struggle to breathe in these jeans right now but therapy is a way to sunday um laundry day (laughs) (laughs) yeah because I didn't feel like breaking in a new pair on a Sunday. That's great. That's what Monday's for. That's great. Um, but no, uh, yeah. It's so a, it's a way to clear the cobwebs. You know, it's it was extreme. It's been extremely helpful to just have an objective third party, even if you don't feel like you need it. It's uh, something that's insanely helpful because you you get stuck in your own kind of horse blinders. You know, this is what I'm worried about. This is what I'm focusing on. And then someone who is professionally trained to identify certain things yeah. can kind of open your eyes to certain behaviors or why you're thinking the way you're thinking or how to think through things, exercises to practice, all kinds of stuff. Like one, a very simple thing was I remember um, like – for me, I've always commuted like a lot, like throughout college work. Like I've always had a hell of a commute all 
wherever I was. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that always got me through that was a comedy show, Opie and Anthony. And then their many iterations after that have always been tremendously just incredible yeah. for me. They kept switching time slots around and certain I work seven to three, so I'm early. Um, and I remember them not being on the air when I was driving into certain places and how that was affecting me because I hate FM radio. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's boring. <laughs> yes. It's stupid. It's regulations out the ass. And my therapist was like, why don't you just listen on demand? And I was like, I never thought of that. And let me tell you what, it helped me. <laughs> like being it, So I'm a day behind, but hell, That's, I can listen to my show. Yeah, I mean, and just certain things like that, like the everybody will, that goes to therapy probably goes for a reason, like yeah. whatever it is when you first start going. For me, I had I had a, a panic attack, I had a mental breakdown, and I had never experienced anything like that before. I was like, I should probably I was do what, something about that. It, you can it, you go into like what, yeah, sure. What it was? A, I don't I don't know if I've ever. My whole thing about it is like if this can help anybody, I'm happy to speak on it. Okay. Like Drew Carson did a mental health yeah. uh, documentary. He filmed completely over Zoom calls and That's put it wild. all together. It was incredible to hear some of the stories. Um, and I was, I said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll be open for it. If it can help anybody, I'd be happy to because – I'm happy we're living in the age we live in where mental health awareness is such a prevalent thing in our and society. And men are talking about it. But it's still kind of, uh, I feel like it still has a stigma. And maybe it's just because it's when we were raised kind of And a it's thing. new. It's still it's new. It feels new. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I had uh, started a job that I thought was going to be a good job for me. Uh, ended up being a terrible place to work. I was only there for a year and a half, but the damage that did to my psyche was still lasting. You know, I worked for a very terrible toxic person who in turn worked for a toxic person. It was just kind of like a shit rolls downhill kind of thing. So I was on the blunt end of the stick every single day, every single hour of my eight hour shifts. It was a really terrible experience. And at the same time I had met Carrie, our relationship was moving along very well. We got engaged. We were planning to get married which ended up happening. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make it sound like that fell apart. <laughs> like we bought a house. Like it was, there was a ton of shit happening. Yeah. And I also, that was the first time Vietcom got accepted into a major format film festival in the Beverly Hills Film Festival. Nice. So I was planning to go to that. I was buying a house. I was living in the house, fixing it up. Our wedding was being planned. Shit was going wrong at work every single day. And then my job got threatened there. And we had just committed to a mortgage. All this stuff was happening. I had a flight planned. I was paying for a hotel room. Like, Did you go to that flight? No, I couldn't. I forgot. I yeah. went that that night. I went to Carrie's parents' house because it was like 40 minutes closer to the airport <laughs> than yeah. our house was. Yeah. So, the, And my flight was at like 4 a.m. Yeah. So I was like, Let's, I'm going to do, do that. Because you got to get there an hour or two early. Yeah. And I had started using an app called Calm. I think calm is more prevalent now, but it's like uh, it can help you fall asleep. It can help you meditate. Like it's it's really good for everything. I was using that previously. Um, that night, I remember like like I have always been a nervous person. I like to plan things out. That's my bloodline. Yeah. Like we always made fun of my dad for like being nervous. at like airports, making sure flights are on time, all that kind of stuff. Um, but like me and my brother, the exact, exact same, same way. Yeah. But this was different. Like, I couldn't eat anything. Um, I didn't get one ounce of sleep that whole night. I remember laying in the bed just 
my heart was racing the whole time. I having sweats. Like, it was bad. Like, Carrie came and tried to talk me down. Like, I was listening to Calm all night. Never worked. And then the time came for me to go leave the house to my flight. And I made a right instead of a left. And I just went home. I couldn't do it. And then I, I went home. I kept not sleeping. Tried to cancel things. Only got, like, partial refunds. And then for the next four or five days because I had taken off a certain number of time and it lapsed over a weekend. Yeah. I like you know me. I'm very comfortable by myself at home with a movie mm-hmm. and some fucking waffles and coffee yeah. and I'm happy. I'm yeah. in my comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. I I couldn't tell you what I did for those four days. I remember you going out being like, I'm gonna go out to California to the screen yeah. fest the Beverly Hills screen uh, film yeah. festival. I was like for a screenplay for me I never thought like that's an avenue you can go to a festival for. It's always yeah, yeah. like it has to be a short, fi- you know. Yeah, well, that's the so thing. It wasn't was... playing anywhere, so I thought it would be good to go. I had and business cards made yep, up. I remember to meet, that to network. It's Beverly Hills. It's at the yeah. Chinese Theater. Like it would be, re- it would have been really good for my career. And then I just the next four or five days, I don't. Think would you I say it was due much. to the job? Sleep. The job you were working at. I think there was a lot of things going on, but the job was definitely negative. Like I had never been in a situation like that previously like i was doing a lot before that like i was working two part-time jobs to try to make ends meet and i could base i was living at home i basically could pay my own bills yeah and that was it so then this next job was like a big step up like finally i got i had real medical coverage i had a a retirement fund that was like oh i'm an adult like i have adult things now so to lose that to quit to move on was like not something i ever even considered because that would be a backside in my mind. Yeah. I didn't consider like I'd always been able to handle everything. I was young. I was in my 20s. Um, so after that, it was like, uh, it was really tough. I didn't realize how young anything... you and Carrie were when you guys started dating. I know, dude. Like what, like 24, 25? Yeah. She was a child, Fucking bro. Fucking babies, dude. <laughs> I was with but Jess so like she I was, was like 23, 24. Yeah, it was, it was every, every other day, I would. I, there's just like... There's this weird little faculty bathroom that no one ever used because it isn't like our tech wing. It's a Costanza bathroom. Essentially. So, and I, I remember going in there and just turning the lights off and sitting on the toilet, like, you know, with the lid down, like it's my own space. Uh, I thought the lid was. was I mean, up. sometimes I, you know, double dip while well, I'm be productive. But I remember having panic attacks in that bathroom, just couldn't see straight, like Jesus, sweats, everything. We had another closet that we used for tech storage that. Didn't have any cameras or anything like that. That was like totally separate. We were the only ones with keys to it. I remember going in there. There was roof access from there. I would go up there and just kind of wow, man. try to get at peace, but it never worked. Like I, I was in a terrible place. I got some meds from my doctor, but I was like, I don't want to just be again. I don't know if that's like the Jim Carrey thing of like, I don't want to sedate myself because then I can't be myself. I mean, I'm 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 in therapy now and I told her like. I don't want to take meds, but if it has to come to it, then I will, mm-hmm. I'll do it. And I'm trying hard to handle whatever's going on in like within me, like naturally. Yeah. I've been on stomach medication for a long time and that's other medical shit I have to figure out. But like, I remember I was taking, you know, meds for anti-anxiety every single night to go to sleep and every single day during lunch, just to be able to get through the day. Like wow. it was a, it was a really bad situation. Um, so I remember being like, I have to find out what's going on. So I went to therapy at first. Didn't last very long. I was only there for a couple sessions because I don't know. 
you know, I was still really young. I don't know if I still had any of that. I don't know what you want to toxic masculinity where it's like I can handle my yeah. own shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the therapist was great. Like she was fine. She uh, gave me a couple exercises that I still use to this day kind of a thing. And that helped me get through long enough. And, but at the same time, there was a few things that happened at work where I was like, I have to, I have to get out of here. And luckily I was able to, to get out. I remember mm-hmm. getting the offer for my current job. And once I had a choice actually for two different positions at two different places, and I remember laying down on the floor of my man cave and just crying because I was like, I can finally you get out of here. Nice. And then after that was like all rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. Like I remember after that, I was I was just fucking around. You like probably I and the teachers and... like I liked there, so I still helped them. But I uh, there's one story that, and I wrote like journals to help me through it. And there's one I remember writing and I remember doing it. It was on a break. My boss had gone away. And it was just me there, so I could just relax. I could write. I could do whatever I wanted to. He would come back periodically to check on me because he's he's a fuck. But I remember, so the way that building was laid out was kind of like an H on top of an H. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how the building was. So there's four stairwells and then a center stairwell. I remember having a walkie, and the head of maintenance, the guy I was close with, was would tell me, hey, he came in this entrance, so I'll go to a different entrance. Hey, he went down this hallway. I'll go down a different hallway. It was like Scooby Doo. <laughs> I'll go out the other for like an hour. And then he's like, all right, he just left. I was like, okay, I'm going to come down for coffee now. Wow, <laughs> like dude. So once I got out of there, things got better. I stopped going to therapy. Um, life was good. Yeah. You know, and then within the last, and then I, I would periodically, I found a new therapist that I enjoyed. Periodically, I'd go back, you know, back yeah. and forth. After a few months, I'd be like, okay, I think I'm all right. I would stop. Um, now I've been going fairly consistently for maybe the last six or eight months, a year, something like that. Because um, it's a, just a healthy thing to do. You know, it's I'm on like a once a month kind of just nice. check in, kind of regain my bearings kind of a thing. Like yeah. be aware of some of the self-destructive behaviors that I'm engaging in and how to handle that. It's... It's not a cure all, like end all no. be all, but it's it's something that, you know, hopefully you can get the tools that you need to deal with some of these things and understand why you're doing the things you're doing, which then in turn helps you helps kind of, you curb, some, yeah. curb those behaviors yeah, my, or those thought processes. My therapist was like, yeah, you know, our goal is to have you function without going to therapy. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. You're leaving me? Yeah, kind of like, <laughs> what? I noticed the times when, like, I New can't. New anxiety I, unlocked. <laughs> there's times when I can't have, um, like, her and I, our schedules don't mesh. And she's like, oh, I, you know, she's got two, my therapist has two young kids. And she's like, oh, I can't do it this week or something like that. And the weeks I don't go without therapy, I'm more honorary. Mm. And I'm more like, ain't, like, I'm just more, like, that release I get every week is yeah. not there. So it's yeah. more, like, pent up. Um, but I'm still very, I'm not. I don't think I'm like, oh, you know, at first I was like, I don't need this. You know, I, I don't, you know, what, how are you going to help me now? I can't really, I feel like I can't really live without it. Yeah. You know, but I still am very like closed minded. Like she wants me to work on things that I know like aren't going to work because I just know myself and I know the people who I bring up in therapy. I know like how they tick. Yeah. And I just, and I'm personally over the fact of like, 
wasting my time on i think things that won't change just because like the older people get including ourselves i don't you know i don't want to speak people for me there are certain things i am very much like i'm very much set in my ways you know Um, oh yeah dealing with people like like obviously I, i i love my wife to death but she's very much at the go with the flow um don't really need a schedule this isn't that sometimes it has bit her in the ass sometimes not all the time but like she's obviously helped me with like uh this really doesn't need to be yeah scheduled out you know i remember my mom telling me like when i was younger if i had a seven o'clock basketball game like i'd be in like ain't ridden with anxiety by five o'clock to get to the gym yeah and i felt like that kind of actually made me feel like shit because like my mom had to deal with like a seven-year-old kid who like she can't help and like it's just mm-hmm. my anxiety yeah. but my anxiety and my stepdad would say i drive you home a different way every time and i would i would i would be riddled with anxiety because that familiarity wasn't there yeah i had so much bad anxiety as a child mm-hmm. i took meds i saw a doctor who i didn't think helped i always joked around with my mom saying oh i just discovered weed and i chilled out <laughs> and my mom said no this doctor said like when you hit puberty yeah. shit's gonna like change in your brain and did it yeah and my mom's like you you have certain anxieties with things or you have a very my mom thinks i just have a negative outlook on shit because i'm i expect certain things in certain ways to be mm-hmm. like i maybe I, i'm an asshole and once it's not that way well i get well i expect of... like my like i don't know man like to get real like when my stepdad had a stroke you were the first person i called and i cried mm-hmm. i wouldn't do that to anybody else because I know, like, you were going to fucking pick up and you were going to talk me off the ledge. Mm-hmm. Some friends, and I'm not talking shit because I'm not really friendly with them like that anymore. I just think if you are a good friend to someone, if you can be, be there for them. Yeah. If you can't and say, hey, I'm sorry, I was, there are some, like, all I need to hear from a friend is, like, if you ever need anything, let me know. And I know that seems like such a throwaway line for some people, but to me, like it means the world to like when yeah. anyone ever says that if you and because well it depends on who's saying it honestly yeah, yeah. so i i tell my mom because like, you're italian what <laughs> let me know oh let it's me a, it's a huge <laughs> supportive family mentality yeah, oh thing, yeah and it yeah. extends outside of bloodline so you 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 touched on the job you had that was terrible for you and um i, I don't want to cut you off but i'm kind of went through the like Ever since your wife and my wife have become really good friends, mm-hmm. my wife is like, I think, and she never tells me anything, but I guess they have intense talks. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and they're like, you don't realize how you and Steve are so similar with stuff. I was like, is that bad or good? She's like, no, just job and debt. Like, so it's it's interesting hearing, and I've known that you had like that job you had before was a shit job, and now yeah. I could tell you're just like, you don't bitch about going. You, you don't bitch about going to your job. You're you're like fuck. I gotta work. You know, it's yeah, work yeah. is stressful. It's not like losing hair or, or appetite changing or or yeah. you know like not sleeping over a job. That's bad. Yeah. I I had, I had that. to learn that. I had to learn what the difference was. It's different. Just like like what I do now is not what I am meant to do, and I, exactly. I do truly believe that. Yeah. So do but I. But there's a difference between going into a place that tries to break you down every single day and then just going and working and collecting a paycheck yeah. in a healthy manner. Yeah. And you're working and you're working as hard as you as hard as a job needs you to. You're not I I this may make me a bad employee. I don't really I don't really give a fuck, but I'm not going to do anything extra that I don't need to do because like I'm, I'm a hard worker at my job. But if someone mm-hmm. t- hits me up last minute, we need you here. No, fucking schedule it out next time. Yeah, don't. I'm not going to do an event two days at, at, out because you don't know. I how think to that's schedule. something 
that needs to be understood by everyone. I wish yeah. this was instilled on in me earlier that you, you work hard at your job, do a good job. I've always done that. That's just how I was. I was a good student in school, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But it is you're working for a company who operates on a bottom line numbers based mm-hmm. scenario. You have to be aware of your own self-worth. Here's what I'm worth. Here's what they're paying me to do. Here's what my job responsibilities are. Anything outside of that, if I'm not being compensated in yeah. a fair way, doesn't have to be payment. Could be comp time. Could yeah, be give me a day off a afterwards. Pizza party, like yeah. anything. Yeah. If you're not, is that there's not a balance there. A bonus. You at the don't end of the year. have yeah. to. Yeah. I, I and, agree. and that that happened to us. We I, one of the reasons I went with this current job is because we were, we would get a yearly bonus based on certain extracurricular kind of things like yeah go get the certification go do that training and you get compensated for that financially at the end of the year so it was a nice extra like pay for a vacation kind yeah. of paycheck that was taken away from us literally i got it once and then it was taken away and the way it was spoken to us was we were, were numbers Jesus and Christ. our budget's too bloated so we're taking the bonuses away from you and then giving it to my buddies kind yeah. of thing yeah so that kind of opened my eyes too is like this is a job this is I'm just a number on a yeah. page to yeah. to whoever is and making these decisions. F- for me, so you got to do what's right for you. Mm-hmm. I do it because I'm not the starving artist type, and I feel like that's what this topic is. Is a lot of people kind of get stuck in this, where it's not what you want to do, but you get stuck devoting your energy yeah. to it. I, I'm not a starving artist. I'm never gonna be a starving artist. So my plan was to work a job and work on my writing until the writing takes off. And yeah. then I'd leave the job. Yeah, there's two, and that's you make a, actually a phenomenal point. There's two sides of the coin. You either are a starving artist, freelance artist, paycheck, like not even paycheck to paycheck, but like if I hopefully I get money from this freelance job by the end of the month to pay bills, mm-hmm. or you are you work nine to five, you work forty hours a week, biweekly pay, and then in your time off, you know, like your five hours, you hope you can maybe three to five hours you can dedicate per night after work to your art hopefully mm-hmm. that you're gonna have to, that's how the balance that's how you have to balance it out you know um but yeah i totally agree man i don't i mean like i said these are all probably negative ways of thinking but i don't like i really don't think my job like <laughs> if i if i left tomorrow my job doesn't give a shit about me they're going yeah. to find another me and that's ninety nine percent of everyone's that's situation. Everyone's situations, and and it's so I don't know how. In like, this was a problem with Jess and I a lot. Um, she dedicates so much time and energy to her job, and it finally paid off. Mm-hmm. But like, there was times where her job just like was not there for her, and she had to be like, "Yo, like I have I'm coming in on fucking weekends. Like, what are y'all gonna do for me?" Yeah, and I think that's kind of how I feel too. That's why I, you know. I'm happy I'm at a nine to five because of like the health benefits and everything I have with that and to help me like retire down the road, I I guess. But Mm -hmm. I could not see myself. I was doing like retail and being an artist and that was that killed me because you don't have a set schedule. You're working until 10 o'clock at night. Tell me what energy I'm going to have after a three to 10 shift. Yeah. I'm only going to want to just like go home, get high and like watch movies like now I get home at six and I'm like, okay, well, dinner's like seven or eight. So if I have that two hours before dinner to like do something and then maybe an hour and a half afterwards, like I just like that structure more. Yeah. 
you know, but I always wonder, man, like if I fucking dedicated 40 hours a week to my art, like where the fuck would I be now though? Yeah. So that's what's the struggle with it, man. You know, like even yeah. before I, I got this job and I moved back home, I, I didn't have a job for like five, four or five months. I was writing. I was doing a. I was doing a lot to like plan. Out. I was able to plan out like that healing heroes mm-hmm. project, and then, you know, and then stuff. You want to say stuff gets in the way, but like this job I have now is going to help me fund a short film we're doing. And yeah, and I, I there's more. Pro- and everyone's like, well, why would you sink money into a project you don't know is going to make money? Well, I think everyone working on on the set deserves to be compensated because they're really good artists, yeah. and I, I wish more people had that mindset. But I'm gonna, st- I'll do that trend. I don't give a shit about paying Sarah, Katie. I don't because I love them and I think they're great artists. You yeah. know, and I think that's another benefit to working a nine to five. What are some well, yeah, negatives just, to you, like, or, or if you want to piggyback off that, you can. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just want to say that, and I think that the big thing about that is the mentality, like, um say you're awake for 14 hours of the day or more 16 hours of the day it's all about uh mentality it's all about yeah i have a day job i work 40 hours a week doing something that i don't necessarily want to um that doesn't mean i'm any less of an artist or a writer than anybody else Mm -hmm. there's a starving artist route sure i think there's absolute validity to the fact that like you don't have a safety net and this is the only thing you have in this world but it's still a very small percentage of people can actually just make a living doing that kind of a stuff there's nothing wrong with working a job and having a comfortable living and pursuing your art there's nothing wrong with that how many artists start from that though like jim carrey was a fucking waiter you have to you know live. What I'm yeah, yeah. And for me, it comes in where, and again, maybe that's a toxic masculinity thing. I think it's just being a decent person. I don't want to put the entire financial burden of our house on my wife. I mean, I'm I, not going to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's more. I wouldn't say that's toxic max- masculinity. I think it's just being very level-headed. If you didn't do that, I would think you're a selfish fuck personally. Yeah, and because now you're. That's, relying I never want to your... be that person. I yeah. never want to be the guy who's like. Like, there's a comedian, Pablo Francisco, who impersonated Keanu Reeves. Just, the band's gonna make it. Like, I'm never gonna be that guy. Like, if my project flops, then it flops, and I'll go on to the next thing. But I'm not gonna put that burden on one person to keep me afloat, to buy my Eggo waffles. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the whole thing comes down to the mentality. You have to... And and I use certain drugs, for example, and like caffeine. As he points to his coffee. To get going, yeah. you know what I mean? So there's, I think there's a couple important things. The energy levels, you have to try to live a healthy lifestyle. You need to exercise, get enough sleep, be hydrated. Because you need that mental energy and you need your brain to be sharp enough. I do two out of the three things. <laughs> I don't do all the things all the time yeah, either. No, but to do that, like, and then you have to have the mentality of like, I'm checked out of my nine to five job. I'm going to leave my nine to five job where it lies. And my next focus is I have to get an edit done today. You go home, you have to have a space where you go. It doesn't have to actually be a physical space. You need to make those mental um, disconnects where you walk in your front door, everything that you brought with you stays there and you have to transition. For me, it's going into the man cave with coffee and shutting that door putting on music Music. that gets me to where I need to be. And then you transition yourself into this is the actual me. This is what I love to do. And then you get flowing. And it it does work that way. If you just kind of 
go through the motions because I've done that before too. You just go through the motions. I had to stay at work a little bit late. I didn't have time to get my coffee. I'm just going to blow in. I'm not going to shut the door. I'm not going to put on music. I'm just going to pound through this edit or this writing process. And it doesn't happen. Yeah, well, You have to help yourself. Too. We're going to talk more about that specifically in a later episode with you and I about yeah, writing yeah, yeah. because I, I totally agree. You can't just jump in like and i've noticed that for me with editing editing is all about really just jumping in honestly it's a technical it's a technical jumping art. point um with certain things you know because we i edit these episodes i edit stuff for ranting and raving like you kind of just have to jump in because we just start right away yeah, yeah now if you're editing a short film for me i have that process of like all right let me let me look through let me look through the notes good take bad take Mm -hmm. You know, do I want to open this up differently than I have it written in the screenplay? You know, like, like, you know, like, yep. do I want to start with a flashback? That's that. That's what goes through my mind in that. But for writing, for writing specifically, and like I said, we'll talk about this. Like, you can't just jump into it. Like, you know, there's days where I I have a really really bad day at work, and it's either just got me or or just it wiped my ass on like just wipe my floor right wipe me on the floor basically like it just killed me it destroyed me and i'm like oh man i was supposed to come home and and write or this and that like since february you know depending on when this comes out but since february of 2022 i you know until like may 2022 i was recording these episodes and for a re you know for a reason of you know just my wife is expecting in july and i want to get all these projects done because i have no idea when's the next time i'm going to be doing Mm -hmm. much besides rant you know besides ranting and raving honestly yeah um so i'm dedicating a lot of my free time to recording this and it's nice to have someone that understands that much like it seems like carrie fucking understands like that's your like once that door is closed yeah i don't know how if she's busting in and bothering you but i can guarantee you she's not <laughs> you know like she's no, she's much she's very much like that's yeah. steve's time yeah if and i'm then, in there and the door's open she knows that maybe it's just a thing like yeah. one of the things i do is i uh do uh, script consultations um for a film festival so what's that because i saw you post about that what is it's that? for it's, um it's exactly. for a script, uh, film festival called the golden script film festival located in the uh, uk okay it's a fairly prestigious you film just festival. read them and then you you grade like you grade them essentially yeah i read the projects i grade it i get feedback nice. and then i do an hour-long teleconference wow going over it wow. um giving them ideas that kind of stuff that's awesome it's great i love doing that's it. that's awesome um but so if i'm just kind of tweaking feedback or whatever and the door is open she'll know okay she'll know that it's okay but if the door's closed and <laughs> Either I'm on a call or yeah. she can hear music with the doors closed. It's like he's trying to get yep, into he's a headspace. Yeah. yeah. That's actually um, going back really quick what you said about being able to go through your door and turn, you know, your front door and turn it off. There's a TV show I haven't started yet, but I heard it's called Severance by Bill Ben Stiller, mm. where when you go to work, your your mind shuts off what happens in your personal life. And then when you leave work, your what happens at work shuts off. In your personal life, if that makes sense. Yeah. So when you're not at work, you don't think about work. When you're not, you know, when you're at work, you don't think about your personal life. Yeah. That's the premise of it, which I think is like really interesting. It's important. Um, yeah, well, yeah, it's very, very important because it's, you know, it, it. I try really hard not to let I go to my job and not let the outside world affect me. There are some of my coworkers who do and they're taken out of that. And it's like, I need you to focus right yeah. now. You know, there's been a lot going on in my life where I can let outside things affect my job. 
but I'm still going hybrid. You know, I'm only going in two days. So those are my days. Actually, I tell them like, that's my time to fucking escape from my world. Actually, mm. <laughs> when I get to come here and, and, and work yeah. and then never thought if you, if 18 year old Chris heard me say that, they'd be like, what are you f- like? You're a fucking loser. Yeah. We don't work. We don't do, you know, cause yeah, I yeah, wasn't yeah. a hard worker back then, but that's how I feel about it now. You know, mm. but then when I'm home on the weekend or at night, if someone hits me up about work at like eight o'clock at night, unless if it's my boss, I'm not fucking responding. No, absolutely. Because not. you have to. There has to be, like, what? It's it's like that scene in Hangover. It's the weekend, dude. I you do not exist when he's leaving. <laughs> yes. Like that is that is like how I feel. You do not exist. Yeah. After you know five o'clock Monday through Friday. Yeah. There's you have to do that. Carrie used to be very bad about having emails pop up on her phone on the weekends, and yeah, it would, I would see how it would affect her. Same with Jess. You have to turn that shit off. Exactly. Unless I'm on call, my email is off on my phone. I don't give anyone yeah. my personal phone number. You can't get to me if I'm not being paid to yes. be got to. Yes. Exactly. Straight up. Gotcha. This is my time. Got, this is gotcha journalism. I'm, cons- got- I'm paid to work forty hours yep. a week, and I handle those hours. Outside that, you better be paying me extra or giving me yeah. something in return. And the film, you know, the film artistic world is a little bit different because there's times where you and I can, sure, for months ahead of filming, we can discuss like different. what we're doing. If but what that's you different. do, if you're one of those rare people, if what you do from your nine to five is what you want to do, God bless you. Do whatever you want to outside mm. in your hours to further your career yeah. there. We take our time to further our career where we want it. Because we're working. I don't want to speak for you. Well, yeah, I will speak for you. We're doing two jobs. We're trying to accomplish two jobs. Yeah. You know, the nine to five that we are trying to survive and then the one that we want to create and, and do better for ourselves and and all that. So, I mean, I've looked through the questions I have for you. You pretty much have nailed all of them, <laughs> answered all of them without me asking, except one. I'm a professional. What would, you, <laughs> what would you do? Like, what would you suggest or do differently as a nine to five working artist? Like suggest what, to do differently from like what like, I've done. Well, like, or yeah, like if you can moving forward, what, what is something mm-hmm. that you may do differently as, like you said, like you're a nine to five worker, but you are also a writer. Like, is there something that you would do like at your day job where you, I don't want to say like not take it as seriously, but mm-hmm. like, and maybe we've touched on it already, but like, or is there anyone, is there anything you can tell the audience sort of speak, like what, how you navigate through doing it? Um, than what you've already said a little bit differently. Well, yeah, it's it's really a matter of um, mental fortitude and telling, you know, having a schedule for yourself, having the understanding of just because you're in a nine to five, it doesn't make you any less of an artist. I yeah. think that's the most overriding and most important thing I think people need to understand. Just because you work a job that's not what you love to do does not make you any less. Mm-hmm. And that's extremely important to understand. Outside of that, yeah, you're working two jobs. You got to understand that you need time. You need transition yeah. time from your nine to five. You need transition time into your creative self. And you need to be able to also rest and give yourself the proper recovery that it takes. You know, you can't be doing two things at once. That's the mechanics of the biology of your brain. You cannot focus on more than one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. You can switch really fast back and forth. If you're on your phone and you're watching a movie, you may be able to switch back and forth pretty quickly, but your concentration can only take place at one thing at a time. That's how the human brain is built. So once you understand that, it's kind of the same thing with mental fortitude. You have to understand that if I'm at my day job and I'm thinking about something else, I'm not doing my day job correctly. If I'm at home and I'm thinking about the shit that went down at work, 
I'm not doing my creative self correctly. You really have to segment your focus. Yeah. And uh, once you understand that, it becomes a little bit easier. It's definitely exhausting. It's very tiring because you're doing many things at once. Yeah. And the human brain is not equipped to be able to handle that. I don't think so either. I, I... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like sometimes I feel bad, like where I'll message you at work about like a, a question about the podcast. Um, and I'm not a perfect employee, and I happily answer those things. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like uh, you're it's like, tough. And then I'm mean, much like you. I'm not happy unless I've got too much to do. And then I know that negatively impacts me. So there is the also you have to know when to restrain yourself. Yeah, and I from saying yes and f- saying no a lot more than yeah. you want to or makes you feel comfortable because that will help your focus on your other projects. Like I knew there was this one big thing I should be focusing on. And instead, like whatever it was, two or three weeks ago, I was like, no, I'm going to do like 18 interviews. I'm going to do different job interviews. I'm going to do all kinds of freelance work. And every single day I had four or five things to do after I got home from work. And it was like, it crushed me. I was like, this is way too much. What am I doing? Like, what should I be focusing on? And once you understand what you should be doing, just say no. It's okay to say no. If your job wants you to come in on the weekends, make sure you get compensated for that. And if that compensation matches your logistics, if you're okay with that, then go ahead and do it. If it doesn't, say no. They're not going to fire you. Just understand what you want from this life, from this world, Mm -hmm. from your nine to five, five days a week. And if it doesn't match that or it's negatively impacting you, like me with that one job, get out. There's other jobs. They'll replace you very very quickly much more quickly than you may think think. oh yeah um it doesn't matter it only matters if you allow it to matter that's really what it is that happened at my job someone left and they were replaced rather quickly and they were like damn it's just the wheel keeps turning that's what it is there's a lady at our job we've been there for 20 something years and she's retiring they found her replacement in two weeks starting in another two weeks and the world will keep turning that's the, yeah that's you not to be negative but no, it's your it's job not, it's not, you don't matter it's not negative i don't make think, it matter for you if I, your job doesn't matter for you don't give them any extra of your mental puzzle pieces it doesn't make a difference for them but it makes a huge difference on you yeah i don't think that's negative at all that's my mentality and i i feel like once i either subconsciously told myself that or i've been saying it out loud um like maybe I'm a bad employee because I really just don't like give a fuck about my job outside of Monday through Friday. I just really like yeah. when there's like times where there's like holiday parties or there's parties on a Friday night. I don't even really want to go because it's like mm-hmm. it's a Friday night, dude. But yeah. then I end up going and I end up enjoying it because unfortunately, like, yes, all you have to talk about is job. Or like if I, I hang out with coworkers outside of, of mm-hmm. work sometimes. Um, yeah, there are times where I'm talking about where all we have to talk about is work because that's all we know but eventually it gets better but yeah i don't man i put zero stake into like this is this job is is the best and i'm gonna die for it no because they don't care about like they don't care about you i could i'm not you know i'll be very candid when i told them about my stepdad and his stroke like a few people gave a fuck Mm mm-hmm and I was out for two days and the job obviously kept going. But like 
a, like my boss, she asked me about him. A few of my coworkers, but like the higher ups don't like didn't know. Probably didn't give a fuck. Like then, mm-hmm. like no one cared. Like, but then I, I can't really sit there and say that because when people are have birthdays or they, when I was getting married in June, like they threw us a little like party and cake. Like so, like there is flip sides to that, and they tried they show it that way. Mm-hmm. But like you keep saying, you know, at the end of the day, like the world keeps turning, so you got to be at a job that you can that is bearable for you. And if it is not bearable for you, if you lose sleep, weight loss or weight gain or hair, mm-hmm. <laughs> you lose hair or all of that. And, or you become very fucking testy outside of work or at work. Like mm-hmm. I knew I hated jobs when I was miserable at work because I'm the best faker at work. Anyone can be, but when I'm starting to show my true colors at work, yeah. then I'm like, Ooh, ah, I don't really like this fucking job anymore. Yeah. That's a sign. And that you being, I know you made a joke about it or, but you avoiding your boss. Mm-hmm. I've been out of those jobs. I I would I would be like this fucking person's on on schedule today, motherfucker. Like yeah. I'd get pit. Like that's that's at the time you don't think about, it, but you go mm-hmm. you go back and you're like that's that is a sign of a a toxic fucking job. Yeah, that it's, you cannot. It's all be about apart. your self worth. Yes, it's all about your self worth. They need you as much as you need them. And understand that it's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. In that way. It ain't never going to be closer. Like real, unless if you and I start a company. No. And they're never going to be, you, you're never going to be more grateful than they are and vice versa. And you got to understand that, that you don't go there because you just want to, right? You go there because you get you paid. you need to. They have you there because they pay you to be there. And they need And understand you. this is a business arrangement. Exactly. And once you understand that... It's like the yes, hooker and the... Yeah, there's interpersonal things <laughs> yeah. going on. Absolutely. I love my coworkers. They're yeah. amazing people. Understand... That's good for you. Everyone's guys. there for a reason. If nobody was getting paid, no one we wouldn't be there. I know. I, and once you understand that, it's a lot easier to kind of segment your emotional energy. That'd be like winning the lottery and being like, you know what? I'm going to go work now. Fuck that. I'm going to live <laughs> yeah. on a boat for seven months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. I understand now. needing to be a cog in the wheel, but I would but love to be one of those people that like failed the lottery life. Like, yeah. give me a shot, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I but. You made a good point. Like, I need to be extremely busy or I feel like my self-worth is garbage. Yeah. And but the thing then- is, and we go back going back to therapy, like, I understand that. I understand I do that. I understand that's my tendency. Yeah. It doesn't mean I don't do it anymore. I agree. That's the whole thing about but therapy and why it's a f- good thing because it's an exercise. I Just because I understand why I do the things I do yeah. doesn't mean I stop doing them. Exactly. It's just a more healthy approach. Like, well, that I- week, I, was, I didn't have panic attacks, but it, I was... It was bothering me because I would be doing things personally that should have been a fun time. And I remember just hyper fixating on what I had to do next and realizing, like, I can't do this to myself again. So since then, I have not scheduled myself like that. And I've taken it time to schedule things or I've, you know, kind of spaced myself out a little bit because I remember how it made me feel when I was like, no, I've got two interviews tonight. I've got two things to do tomorrow. You apologized to me for like, dude, I as much as I would like to direct like my first film or or you apologize and you're like, I hope you understand. And I I want you to know on the record that like you don't ever have to say I hope you understand because I I do Mm -hmm. get it. Like and I'm never going to get mad because like you're actually being self-aware. And I read that. I was like, Steve's more self-aware than I am. Like I'm running myself ragged. That was just one of those when it rains in poor scenarios. That was during that week. And you're like, by the way, here's when we're going to do this. And I was like, 
I don't think I can even. I don't think I can do another a single other yeah. thing. I yeah. knew there was time between, it, but for doing this kind of thing, there's preparation involved yeah. and there's dedication, especially as like a director. And I just knew I didn't have it in me to do it. Yeah. So I owed it to you to say something. And you know what? I was scared of telling you that. And you know what? You accepted me completely for yeah, that. Yeah, That's no. the other thing is you shouldn't be afraid to just be honest and be truthful with everyone you're involved with. There might be yeah, fallout in certain yeah. situations. But you've I know that. I've experienced that personally. Same, yeah. But you either have to be true to yourself or true to someone else. And if you're true to only someone else... It's never gonna blow back on you in a good way. Mm-hmm. You have to be yourself. You, There's give and take. Yeah, in you've certain told me scenarios, that too with but... like our podcast. You said like, dude, I just can't do it right now. And I think a lot of things happen, you know, happen for a reason. Certain, you know, certain things have happened for a reason. So I, I understood it, but I'm not. You know, if someone's trying to, you know, I'll call I'll call this person out, and I'm not being rude at all. I, I shouldn't say Shit. call out name names. No, Name like, uh, names. Like Jess Vasquez, she said that she didn't think that she was worthy of being on this podcast because now she's only taking film, she's only doing film as a hobby mm. and not as a career. She's like, there was a time in my life where I did film all the time, but now it's just a hobby. Right. And I asked her to be on the podcast, and she initially said, I don't want to be. And then she reached out and said, no, I, I actually think talking about what I'm going through would be very beneficial. Yeah. And I completely agree with her. I was like, I don't know, I'm not going to be upset that, like, you think your movies are a hobby like that's a cool hobby to have you know i'm trying that really goes back hard to the self-worth to, thing yeah i'm trying really she hard to so make it a career dedicated into yeah. the film career and, and now she's found she, a different she avenue. couldn't make a paycheck doing it she made thought that made her yeah, feel less than exactly and that's not true it's not because she is like i said she was the, uh, we mentioned her early in the podcast where she went to ramapo and she yep. like her and jessarina are like are really good at what they do and you know, I think Jess Vasquez now is like, you know, she's giving back to the community in Philadelphia. I see on her Instagram, like where she's making food for the homeless. Like, yeah, that's more making a real impact. Yeah, they're making a bigger impact than I, <laughs> yeah. I ever will. One hundred percent. So like you can't. Yeah, you're sit. a giant piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making movies because I, I'm making movies where I'm writing and starring in them because I don't want to audition anymore. <laughs> no. Uh, but but no, it's it's you know, I, I it's. And and I told you know my wife Justice and Justice like yo Chris you don't realize like everyone looks at themselves the way you look at yourself like I look mm-hmm. at myself as a really big piece piece of garbage and Jess is like everyone does too yeah. everyone is self conscious I'm the most negative person I know to myself and that has to but change but then you're probably the most the inner- positive person about other people around you right correct, correct. you 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 give it's everyone else their flowers. Thing. And then you look at your te- your end table, yeah. where you have four fucking screenplays there, and you're like, "This is all trash." Meanwhile, <laughs> I have one feature from 2012 I had to write because of college, and I'm like, "I'm never." Uh, I've delayed writing "Little Did She Know" as a feature because I'm making excuses. And so, yeah, everyone's. Oh yeah, yeah. Everyone's. It's bad. Everyone's their own worst enemy. Yeah. It's oh, a yeah. it's an old saying, but yeah. it is a very true saying. You know, like. Just even if you want like a dessert, and we can go like, I'm a giant piece of shit because I'm gonna have dessert. It's like no, you yeah. can, you're allowed to have Man, some. No, sugar. I've been eating like, like it's garbage the last few weeks, uh, honestly. And I'm dude, like, Jess, I can't remember the last. I time saw a wedding photo of myself, and I was like, holy shit! Were you what? 
I, I'm like a whole other than, person oh, now. The giant. Yeah, I'm a dude. Huge, there's times where I look at like Kyle. I blame the shutdown. The shutdown ended for me two years ago. It's not the shutdown, bro. Yeah, Kyle. <laughs> Maybe three years ago, by the time this podcast comes out, like the pandemic. Yeah, not an excuse anymore. Yeah, I know. It was an excuse for literally. Two I'm months. Getting Wendy's because <laughs> I've been stuck inside the house all day. No. Sign off, have a beer and some fucking cheesecake you ordered for seventy dollars <laughs> from DoorDash. <laughs> but now that it just it unlearned fucking thirty years worth of self control. <laughs> yeah, dude, I have zero self control. There's all these memes I always see, like you or Carrie, like where it's like you do the bare minimum. Well, I'm going to treat myself now. Yeah. <laughs> like fifteen minutes of work, you take a three hour break. That's me to a fucking T, dude. I'm like, oh, man, yeah. today's been rough. You know, I think I owe myself. That's probably the biggest thing I still have to work on is being positive to myself. Yeah. Because it's never possible. But, like, my mom would always say, like, going out to eat was a treat. Now you motherfuckers do it because you're bored on a Tuesday. I was like, don't hate the player. <laughs> yeah. Hate the game. That's how that's it's changed. But it has. Well, my mom was like, it was a treat. I was like, yeah, well, well I'm treating myself because I survived Monday. But also, you going to tell me that if tw- 30 years ago... Our All parents was around. had a smartphone with an app that you could order a chicken fried cheesesteak and you don't have to interact with anyone and you got it in 30 minutes that you wouldn't do it. All that shit was automatic, just exactly. linked to your credit cards, yeah. which, by the way, goes through your online accounts that are automatically paid. You're not going to dip in yeah, more than once a week. That is true. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have no self-control. You smoked while you were pregnant. <laughs> my parents didn't go out three times a week because they had to get in the car. They had to drive a half an hour, pay with cash or, yeah. or check. Okay. Writing checks a huge pain in the ass, But also, the at the same time, I mean, make sure was... the credit was in the account. Make sure your checkbook was balanced because you had to write it by pencil and make sure you had the money because it was a hassle. So a meal was 25 cents. I find a quarter under my couch. I throw it out. <laughs> like a meal costed a dime like when my dad was my age. So I don't want to hear it either, you know, yeah. but no. Um, but yeah, no, that I... The self-destructive tendencies, the yeah, negative man. attitudes, that's all part of the this, how you handle working yeah. a nine-to-five and being creative. You have to be you your own best as a host. friend. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Steve, for saving me. Yeah, you but have you're to right. be your own best friend. You, have, you have to, to understand. Confident. You're saying you have to Your be- self-worth yes. has to be more than what you do. I don't care if it is yes. what you want to do. If I made a living writing screenplays, which is the end goal for me, that doesn't mean if I stop doing that, I'm any less, and yeah. I have to understand that. And anyone who has the same thing that they're going through, you have to understand you have a worth as a person. Even if you do nothing, you sit on the couch, you maybe held the door open for somebody today. You maybe help the old lady carry her groceries. Yeah. You're still giving in a positive way to this universe, and that's yeah. what it's all about. Yeah, I've, I've had a really positive interaction with a new neighbor the other night. And by I, hitting your ceiling with a broom and telling him to keep it down. <laughs> I was putting a box in my car. He's like, oh, moving out. I was like, no, nah, I'm just it's for storage. And he's like, oh, yeah, man, I'm moving in. This is my first car, my first apartment by myself. Like, He was so fucking jazzed up about life. And I was and I came back in and just was like, why the fuck are you smiling? <laughs> like what just happened? I was like, I just met a neighbor who actually talked to me. And it's very, di- you know, that's very new and very different for me like the, our neighbors across the hall that, talk but it's not like how it used to be man that's huge that that energy is infectious that energy is is needed to be in all our lives yeah i carry you make fun of me for it but so again whenever this comes out or whatever right now 
I've been watching all the Jackass movies. Yeah. Because and Carrie's like, why do you just watch? They're just like kicking themselves in the balls. Like, why is that fun? And it's like the energy, yeah. the camaraderie amongst friends, the just fucking around because you want to and yeah. laughing. That energy. I missed that because you. It's a I very missed younger it so person. I didn't realize how much I missed. It's a very it. younger person thing. I watched the too. newest Jackass because I was like, I wonder how this is going to compare now that they're in their fifties and doing this stuff. And what I it's didn't realize there. was I missed the energy that they yeah. still had. So I went back and I watched the old ones and I was like, fuck, like this energy. Not that I would ever like shit on a table and like, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would never eat a piss snow cone on my, but like the energy, the camaraderie, the just fucking around when you were young, like yeah. that is such a thing that you still need to have in your life. It's so important. Yeah. People get to be such drones getting locked into the work week because it does take so much of yeah. your mental energy. You have to remember who you are. There's this one. So find something that makes you happy aside from working. Yeah. If it is like it me, anything. My favorite thing to do is waking up a little late on a Saturday, having waffles and coffee and watching something I enjoy. Find something that helps you. Yeah. Right now, I'm just rewatching Jackass. Yeah. Constantly because it makes me feel good and it reminds me of the energy I used to have. And yeah. that helps. Yeah. It really does. It reminds you like, yeah, you're still that same person inside. Like, I didn't know if I would enjoy the new jackass as much as I thought I would. Yeah. And I, I don't really laugh out loud by myself. A lot of times I was doing that watching these movies. Cause I'm like, I'm still in here. Yeah. Like the real me is still in here. And that's I laugh important out loud a lot. I'm watching that show. Murderville. With Will Arnett. Oh, Will Arnett, yeah. And it's just like the best episode so far is Marshawn Lynch, dude. And it, But Will Arnett breaks and it's like little, it's stupid. Like yeah. You make I, fun I of me, but that's stupid. why I love TikTok so much. I literally no, watched like a five minute compilation last night of people trying to do stunts and failing. Oh and I God, get a kick yeah. out of that and I go like, well, you're on your this hasn't kick. changed. Yeah, like this yeah. is me at 10. Yeah. And now at 32 years, I still enjoy well, little watching like, that I shit. I keep telling like Jess because like our friend, I went to go visit our, Char- our friend Charlie like a, a while ago and him and his girlfriend are like watching Shit's Creek. And I'm like, oh, dude, I, like Chris Elliott is so fun. Everyone that who's seen Shit's Creek hates Chris Elliott. I was like, but he is the same <laughs> as he is in Shit's Creek as he is in Scary Movie 2. As he, <laughs> as he is in everything he's been like. Everybody like, loves Raymond. Exa- yeah. There's yeah. all these scenes where he's like. Like like Eugene Levy character always talks about how his old video store like used to be really good, but they ended up going bankrupt. He's like, you know, when I owned Rose Video and Chris Elliott's just like, ugh, like out loud. Like I told Charlie, like that's my favorite type of humor, or like yes. just the stupid stupidity is my favorite type of humor. Like when yeah. Chris Elliott's character in Shit's Creek finds out he's gonna have another baby, he's like, champagne for everyone, and his wife's like, I can't. He's like, oh yeah, you're right, you're driving. Not that she's pregnant. <laughs> it's just the stupid. I think stupidity and like those type of jokes, yeah, get me every like Joey from Friends, Kramer from Seinfeld. The the la- the lack of, um, I guess, knowing like 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 little things like yeah, why don't we just tear all this down? You know open up this place you can't tear this down this is load-bearing walls jerry like just being so like idiotic you know so so i get where you're coming at like you're coming from like a things that just make you laugh because of it just reminds you of something and you just need that that's why i rewatched seinfeld friends because it brings Mm -hmm. me back to a time yes and i understand it more and it's just it's funny it is just fucking hilarious and i think that also goes back to the therapy thing it's like if you understand why you 
watch the things or what you enjoy or whatever. Like that's it's important to understand where you're coming from. Like my favorite kind of humor is self-deprecating humor yeah. because that's what I've always used because I'm an insecure person. So mm-hmm. I turn that around to be humorous. Exactly. If I say I have a small dick, no one else can look at me and go, you have a small dick. I go like I just said that joke. Like that kind of thing has always been what I've used. But the thing is like maybe I never really understood where that was coming from. Yeah. Understand that it's because of your insecurities. You like the self-deprecating humor because it's honest and it's personal mm-hmm. and it means something. And that's why you use it that yeah. way. I understand that now. Maybe I didn't when I was 21 yeah. My years old. My dad said that to me when I was young. He's like, if you really want to like throw these motherfuckers off, like just joke about yourself first. Yeah. He's like, make fun of your last name first if they're making fun of your last name. Because what else? The first time I tried stand up, that was you? my first joke. Yeah. Like, I was what like, let's address the elephant in the room. He's got the microphone. Everyone laughed it was, immediately. Yeah. As soon as I can make anyone laugh, everything comes down for yeah, me. Yeah. Every all my anxieties, everything because I go like I got them. Yeah. I I can be me. Like and then it just opens up the floodgates. But that's me. That's yeah. how I operate. Yeah. For you to find your own thing, yeah. like whatever makes you laugh and helps you be comfortable. Understand that it's okay to do that. Like I said about my neighbor, like I used to be very like I'll go to fucking I'm going grocery shopping and I'll be like. I'll ask them like, "How you? How's your day going?" And half the time they're like, "Thank you for asking," and half the time they're like, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. So I've stopped, and I look at my dad, and he can like have a conversation with a wall. He could talk to anybody. <laughs> I've tried doing that, and I don't get the response. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm just turning into my dad, who just talks to anyone now. Like, I don't want to be like. So I'm very like in my like I'm I'm now very like short answered on my phone. If someone else starts talking mm-hmm. i i let people initiate first because i'm tired of initiating it yeah. and getting rejected i think a big part of also the worry of all of this is if you're an empathetic person like i'm an empath so i always think about how what i do affects other people and it's yeah. fucking exhausting that's a huge part of that too it's yeah. like you worry about that because you're like well, I don't want to inconvenience them. Like, if they don't want me to talk to them, I don't want to talk is? to them. Is that Just you're, you're worried about whatever, like, you inconveniencing yeah. people? And it's a healthy thing to because you understand. It's a golden rule kind of a thing. Yeah. You understand other people also have but feelings. But I always think I, I'm inconveniencing literally everyone, though. But is that it? I think it's a combination of things. I think you're being empathetic, and I also think you just Crazy. your self worth, like on the inside. Yeah, yeah. But that's a huge part of it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's one thing to be empathetic, but it's another thing to not think you have any value. Yeah, yeah. I deal with that all the time, and I know I deal with that, but it's still something that you have to like keep working on. Mm-hmm. I have value, even though I don't think I do. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Well. I really appreciate it. this. This is probably like the second longest podcast. So I knew we could probably be talking. I, for I hours. meant to ask how long you usually. Oh, take I don't really. Things, I've, I've recorded someone for two hours. Most people have been forty. I've done a lot of virtual. They've been like forty-five minutes to an hour. In person's a lot better, but we do have a lot more to talk about. So in we other do. episodes, but man, this plus, has been. Plus, you owe me great. lunch. I do owe you lunch. <laughs> yeah, think about what you want to eat, motherfucker. I, got, I owe you and I my wife lunch. That makes no sense. <laughs> um, I should only owe one of you lunch. I'll take be, the surf and which turf. Which be you. <laughs> Um, but no, man. I pre- Lagavulin <laughs> bourbon. I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, I'm happy to be here. You know, I, I've I've been asking people if they want to plug stuff. We don't really have to. I know that you know. I interviewed Nathan. He's like, this really isn't about me. It's for mm-hmm. to help people out. You said the same thing too. But I will just say, like, if you want to hear Steve and I on a different platform or different level, mm-hmm. that is a lot more funnier. Um, 
please just visit Ranting and Raving Podcast. Other than that, you know, follow Steve on on Instagram, um, Sandwich Hanish. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always posting things about his writing and and whatnot, but mostly memes. I should just turn my page into a meme page. You should. I do appreciate <laughs> you coming on, and we have a lot more to talk about. Um, but yeah, my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. All right, guys. Until next time. Thanks. Once again, this is Where Is My Mind, a podcast about mental health and the arts. I'm host and producer of the podcast, Christopher Arangio. All episodes will be available on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, and Amazon Music. Once again, this is Chris Arangio, and thank you for supporting.